Welcome to HuffPost Humans. I'm Owen Blackwell. And today's episode is brought to you by our reporter, Siobhan Kenna. It's called Migrating Young. Siobhan, I had the pleasure of sitting in on this when it was uh, being conducted. And it's a fascinating interview. Tell us a little bit about it and uh, who you spoke to. To start with the the idea that I had, you know, I living in Australia my whole life, I was born in Sydney. I really was interested in the process of moving overseas and how that impacts someone's belonging and their and their identity. So I decided to, drawing on my own experience, I spoke to my grandmother, Margot, who moved from East Germany when she was um, under 20. She moved when she was 18 and then eventually moved across to Australia when she was when she was 20. And growing up with those kinds of stories, that's kind of what got me thinking. And I also called on um, a friend of mine who I met when I was overseas, who's Australian and moved when uh, moved from Malaysia. And having such interesting and, and just fascinating stories um, that mean so much to these people, but also that people can identify with, I think is what was, was really important when well, interviewing them. That, that's what really struck me, having listened to it. I mean, I think was, uh, we, we were talking afterwards and it's everyone has these unique experiences, but they're still experiences that apply to a lot of people in Australia, um, like myself included. I came here when I was seven right. from Ireland and here I am now, you know, I'm an Aussie. So it was, it was, it was a really interesting, uh, a really interesting podcast. And uh, let's just give it to the let's listeners. Have let's have a listen. Let's have a listen. Today, I'm joined by Margot Molnar, who migrated from Germany to Australia nearly 60 years ago, and by Matthew Lee, who came to Australia from Malaysia in 2005. Thanks very much for coming in today, guys. Yeah, no worries. Today, I'd like to talk to you about what it was like migrating to Australia as a young person. Both of you did it when you were under 25, 20, 21 years old, and I really would like to explore to you explore how it was moving countries at such a young age and how that impacted the person you are today and how you identify culturally. You know, moving to Australia, an island nation on the other side of the world that feels so far away from from what you know, as it is, is an undertaking, but doing it when you're a young person really is adds a whole another dimension, dimension to it. So Margaret, I'll start with you. You arrived in Australia in 1960. So you were just turning just about 21 years old. How did you make the decision to come to Australia in the first place? Um, I'll go back just a little bit further. I was born in East Germany just at the end of the war and um, was educated there. Then Germany was divided and when I was 18, I decided to escape which I did. Then there was the border between East and West Germany. And at that time, it was quite easy to go on holidays and um, visit people or stay there for a little while and then come back. But during that time, while I was away, the border was closed and at I might as well try to get to the moon, then get back there. So I decided I'd like to see something else of the world. And where I was working, there was a young man. He was getting his papers ready to come to Australia. So I thought, well, I might go there for a little while and learn a bit of English. 
and uh, within a couple of months, I was on the boat with a lot of other young people as Australia was taking in a lot of European migrants at that time. So I met a lot of people on that boat and uh, I living in East Germany, I really had no idea what was going on on the other side of that border. The wall wasn't even built yet at that time. So in Australia, the first uh, port we stopped at was um, Fremantle. And uh, everything seemed to differ, all the houses. I felt a little bit uh, like I had arrived at a Western movie set with all the um, shop awnings. That was something I wasn't used to. And um, then... Our next stop was uh, Melbourne, where we disembarked. And uh, all the people, all the immigrants were taken to a, a migrant hospital. Hostel, And from there, the uh, immigration department tried to place people into jobs. And... Um, Myself and another girl, we uh, put our hands up to go to a property near Albury. So, so we went away by train and just going on the train from Melbourne to Albury, they seemed to go forever. Just going through bush and more bush. And uh, when we got to the property, that was about... Um, 10 kilometres out of the next town, which had about 100 souls. <laughs> so it was pretty lonely there. And the girl I was with, she had friends in Melbourne and she then decided that she wanted to join her friends in Melbourne. So I was left there by myself with very little English. And um, how far away from home did you feel at that time? Did you feel like you were just miles away from from Germany, from the rest of the world even? Yeah, well, um, that's the first time I got some uh, idea of how big the world was if you're going by boat for five weeks. <laughs> right. So, yeah. And descri- describe to me your first day in Sydney. How, how was it like when you, when you got to Sydney? What were your first impressions? Well, oh... I arrived at Sydney about uh, 10 o'clock at night, no idea uh, where I was going or where I was. uh, I had some addresses to go to um, the next day, but first I had to sleep somewhere. So I got myself a taxi and told the taxi driver to take me somewhere where I... uh, could spend the night, have a bed, and I was looking for work. And the taxi driver took me straight up to the cross. <laughs> but, of course, I had no idea at that time what that, what that was. I didn't find that out till later. So the next day, I 
took my little addresses that I had and I found some uh, accommodation at a Salvation Army hostel. And um, that night, when I got into my little room with cockroaches walking up and down the wall, I had a little cry all to myself. And I thought, why on earth did I do this? <laughs> Matt, I'll bring you in. Um, do you identify with any of that? Any of those lost, confused feelings? Um, no, not really. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, it's very different for me. It definitely was not that hard. It's, it was a different time. It was, what, only 12 years ago. And and you moved across with your family as well yeah, from moved, Malaysia? Yeah, uh, with my family. And, yeah, I was, I was a young boy and... Basically, they did everything for me. So um, let's just say I didn't start off feeling lost. Um, yeah, uh, we had it. And even though we, when we moved to Australia, we had an uncle living in Sydney already in like the Macquarie area. So and we were just staying with him for a while while we settled in and looked for a place to live. And yeah, definitely was not as hard as that. And um, and. Even then, it wasn't even my first time in Australia when we, when we moved um, mm. to Sydney, like to live like for for good, like um, a year and a half before that we came to Sydney for a holiday. But back then, I didn't know that. I didn't. I didn't know the real reason for um, why we were visiting Sydney. What was your What was your first day like when you got when you you were coming here permanently? How, um, what was your first day like? Cold. No, actually, no, no, no. No, that was spring, so I wasn't that bad. Sorry, I was thinking about the first time I visited Australia, which was, um, yeah, it was dead in winter in Malaysia. It's, like, always, like, tropical, so, yeah, I found that cold. But um, first day in Australia, honestly, I was so young, I can't remember so well. I just remember being tired and <laughs> ready to sleep. Um, but I think it things got quite real when... Um, I visited when we when I went to school for the first time when like we finally got a place to live and I was able to go to school. Um, yeah, that's when things got really real and I realised that I, yeah I was going to stay here permanently. Um, In what way did it get real? Was it the kids at school? Was yeah, it yeah, the language kids at barrier. Ah, oh, well, like um, language barrier at the very very least was just slang because like um, you know you learn if you if you. St- if you do well in school in Malaysia, you learn to speak English close to fluently or, flu- or fluently. And I, at that time, it was the language I thought in. It was just slang and stuff that I struggled with. And I think, and I remember Aussie kids being very, like, not understanding when you don't know slang and stuff. But, yeah, anyways, when I started school, it got really real, I guess, the ki- the way the kids looked at me, asked me questions. And actually, I think my second day there, um, I got, uh, you know, verbally attacked racially by this kid who just, you know, said a few things that were very hurtful and I, yeah, got really real. Like, uh, that was probably very unlucky. I don't think, like, all kids are like that, but that, that's, it happened and, yeah. But no, I think the first day moving to Australia wasn't that scary because, like, after our initial trip to Australia, like, my dad straight up asked me, so how do you feel about moving here? And I was, and I guess I was really naive. I was like, oh, really? Uh, yeah, I didn't think a lot about it. I didn't think that it was going to... I didn't realise that it was going to be a whole a thing where I'd be living here till, you know, just till, I, till now or, 
you know, even longer in the future. So I, I guess as a 10-year-old boy or a 9-year-old boy, like, I guess I was really naive and I didn't think much about it. I didn't, it wasn't real until it just suddenly hit me, I guess. I didn't, I wasn't able to think for myself what the implications of actually moving here was. Well, like, so yeah. When did um when did, when did it become real for you, Margot? Um, when did you start to think, wow, like I'm going to be here for a little while? Well, um, if, in those days, if you came here as an assistant migrant, you had to uh, stay for two years, and I would say the first six months I would have gone home had I had the opportunity. But these things happened slowly. And I'd say after two years, um, I was ha- happy to give it a bit more of a go. Oh, the post said, well, they stayed two years. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Also, in that time, I met my husband, and he also came uh, from Europe. He was from Austria. And uh, we got married soon after, and we still at that stage decided that we might go home again together because neither of us had any family here. Mm. So so we got married and uh, then three years later we had a daughter and so by then we stayed a little longer and after four years, when she was four years old we went back the first time to see the rest of the family. And uh, Did that feel like you were going home? It did. This was very emotional because at that time um, you were still going by boat and airfares that just could not afford it. it was very, you had to work six months just to earn the money for a boat trip. So looking back on that time now, um, and also for you, Matt, looking back on the time when you came to Australia... Do you feel like you've become part of Australia at all? Do you feel like Australia has become part of you? Or do you still, or do you have strong cultural ties as well to where you were born? I probably feel more Australian now than I feel German. Even so, I would say I'm still a little bit afraid. But I know I've been back several times uh, by plane over the years and I know every time I get back on that plane in Frankfurt and I hear the Australian accent, (laughs) I feel, oh, I'm going home again. (laughs) What about you, Matt? You've recently returned from Germany. How did it feel when you got on that plane and you started to become more part of the Australian Australian culture? Did Uh, you feel like you were coming home? Uh, yeah, it was no like Sydney is definitely home for me now. But um, yeah, like you said, cultural ties are a real thing, and especially when I moved here with my with my family. Um, you know, you go home to mum and dad; they speak to you uh, either in like uh, they speak to me either in um, you know Mandarin or in that really Malaysian accented English. Like it's very <laughs> real that um, yeah, cultural ties are still are, are still a real thing. Um, but yeah, no, Sydney is very much part of me. Um, you know, I, I I can't say that anywhere else is really my home. Like, um, you know, Kuala Lumpur used to be, but like, and I would go there and visit. You know, the place I was born occasionally if I can. But I definitely consider Sydney home. And yeah, when I was overseas in, overseas in Germany, I was 
very proud of talking about Sydney and um, yeah, just you know, very proud of saying, oh yeah, you know, it's so ex- things are so expensive there. <laughs> and stuff like that. Just, <laughs> yes. just little little um, little things like that. But I was yeah. very proud and I was very happy um, to uh, talk about it. And I was very ha- very happy when I finally got on that plane. You know, sat next to an Australian girl, like just yeah, stuff like that. And it's definitely home. Definitely yeah, home. Part of me. How do you do? You feel like you're a little bit bit of both. Still, do you, I still identify with your Malaysian culture. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, you know, in, like in which said, ways? Like, you yeah, yeah. Like when I go home and you know when I hear when I hear Malaysian and there are a lot of Malaysian um, people in Sydney. So when I hear like people speaking in like a that sort of Malaysian English or Mandarin, like I'd be like, yep, they're Malaysian. Like I would just I'd connect to it straight away. So yeah, I'm I very much identify it with you know being Malaysian but also just because I've grew I've been here since I was a little boy like um yeah I it's really hard to explain I just I guess yeah. I just identify with both and um hard to explain for you as well yeah, yeah but also these days it's a lot easier with the airfares are a lot more affordable yeah, yeah. and uh, and also the rest of our family or one after the other, they come to visit Australia and they all love it here. So, yeah, the uh, world has become a lot smaller these days and the distance isn't that much of a problem. Do either of you get people asking where you're from a lot? Um, If if, Maybe not here in Australia, but when you're overseas, do people often ask where you're from or, you know, start to probe a little bit about how you do identify culturally? Well, the funny thing happened to me in Germany. I was talking to people well, that didn't know me. And uh, when I told them I was Australian, they said, oh, for a foreigner, you speak very good German. <laughs> <laughs> now, I remember the first time I was asked where I was from in Malaysia, and I was like, how on earth do I answer this? So I'd be like, oh, um, from Australia? And they're like, yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. You speak all right. Um, I think I was speaking Malay at that time. I was ordering something in Macca's, and I don't know why they, why he asked me. Maybe my Malay was already that bad. But, um, yeah, I said I was from <laughs> Australia. And then, you know, he was like, oh, you speak, you can speak Malay? And I'm like, oh, my parents uh, my parents are from Malaysia. I was born in Malaysia. But, um, yeah, it's really hard to explain that when when I go back to Malaysia. But when I was over in overseas in Germany, um, yeah, I had no hesitation asking, um, uh, explaining, saying that I was from Sydney um, and Germans aren't very they don't care about how they generally don't care about how you look like they understand that you know some countries are multicultural but when I went to other countries they were a bit more they, they questioned that a little bit more so does that frustrate you at all um, look I, I get it um, I understand that people still like the the way you look you know it makes people think and I'm gonna I'm not gonna be offended but it does frustrate me a little bit that um, people don't seem to understand in other places. And well, like when I explain to the, when when I explain and they understand, then it's fine. But there there were some encounters that I've had where they were they it just didn't go <laughs> seem to um, get into their heads, and that was those experiences were a little bit were a little bit frustrating. Um, but no, like I was I was happy that in Germany that they really understood, and you know. Yeah, can't ask for much more than that. <laughs> when you're in Malaysia, you, you're happy to you, just, you do tell people that you're from Australia, or um, do you say, that, "Oh no, I'm from here. I live in Australia." Well, 
generally, um, it depends on, like, honestly, I can, what, last time I was back in Malaysia, I can just sometimes pretend like I'm an Australian tourist and, you know, just completely <laughs> just, you know, yeah. Yeah. Do you then, do the same when you're in Germany? Yeah. You yeah. just pretend yeah, sometimes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'll just be like, I'll just sound like this. Because anytime I can decide to put on like, I can speak Mandarin or I can just put on like a, like a little Malaysian accent and just try and, and just sound like I'm a local as well. Um, so I play around with that. That's cool. <laughs> I play around with that. So I don't really get asked where I'm from when I, do, when I play the local unless they're really sharp. Mm. So, um, but yeah, uh, but when I'm, really just playing that Australian tourist and, you know, I'll just say I'm from Australia and that's that. So, um, I, yeah, I, had a little, I have a little bit of fun with it. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I like to do. What about you, Margot? Do you have a bit of fun with it as well when you're in Germany? Do people yeah. often say, oh, you know, yeah. like you said before, someone, someone said you spoke yeah. good German for a foreigner. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. People in Germany, they are usually very interested in Germany, in into Australia, and right. uh, they want to hear... Uh, a lot about it, and yeah, and uh, we are who we are. We can't change that, and and that's uh, I think that makes uh, society more interesting. All the variety, the diversity, mm. and uh, it shouldn't make any difference. Yeah, absolutely. We're all humans. Yeah, <laughs> that's I, right. I, I I definitely agree with that as well. Like. In the end, it doesn't really like matter so much, you know. Um, like, I don't. I think it. We should work towards, you know, time or or a world where we where we ask less. Like, it's really mm. interesting that there are so many different cultures, but I don't know. I think people still look at appearances too much. Still, mm. um, yeah, there's nothing wrong with the fact that there are so many diverse appearances and I yeah. think that's really cool but in the end it's the fact that we're people first and yeah, yeah. You, c- you can have that conversation in another 25 years I won't be around then <laughs> but I think uh, <laughs> things would have changed a let's, lot then yeah. in another generation let's let's hope so like, yeah um, yeah like and I feel like um yeah even in my family, like my, my parents, they still seem to ask a lot about appearances. You know, just watching Master Chef or whatever, just seeing people with different appearances. Like, where are they from? Where are they from? Stuff like that. And it's um, look, um, and I'm just and I actually say maybe it doesn't matter that much. You know, mm-hmm. like, um, so, you know, but we're still working towards it. But I think it's getting mm-hmm. better. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, Matt, have you ever felt like you've been stuck between cultures? Um, you know, we were just discussing appearances. Have you ever felt like um, you don't look a certain way so people don't, you know, respond to you um, being Australian or, or being Malaysian? Have you ever felt since you migrated that you're not quite sure where you fit? Oh, definitely. That's why that, that maybe that's part of why I like to play around when I go back to Malaysia <laughs> and just do both because I can but over here, mm. like, things are serious, like, and I do find that sometimes people still kind of, like, uh, people still look at the w- way I look and still ask that here in Australia, but it's very rare, like, um, but I still see that sometimes, you know, and it does play a role in how they might approach things with me. But really, it's very minor. At the very least, at, at most, it's just maybe a little casual things here and there. Um, and, you know, like... It, ha- having 
been like a mi- minority in this country for like you know 10 years 10 to uh, since I was how long have I been here since I've moved here like you know I've experienced a few things so like I guess little things like that they don't really bother me that much it's only when you know really hurtful things are said by you know some people on the street which happens and then I might think about it a little bit but you know and I and I don't know what even though I'm I I, I like to tell myself that I'm used to it um those things can bother me a little bit and yeah it's a little bit sad but hmm you know. Yeah, especially when you are Australian and you're an Australian citizen, so that yeah. can be. Um, yeah. Did you feel like a minority when you first arrived, Margot? That probably didn't affect me uh, in that respect because I didn't look any different to right. anybody else. It was only till I opened my mouth <laughs> that people um, noticed that I was from somewhere else, and that still happens. But I haven't got a problem with that mm. at all. So uh, I feel, as I said, I feel more Australian. I like to watch Aussie rules. <laughs> I haven't quite learned to appreciate the cricket. Takes a while. And the Vegemite jar is in the back of the fridge. <laughs> Only keep that there for visiting grandchildren. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you, Matt? Do you eat Vegemite? No. <laughs> Don't like it? I have no hesitation saying that. <laughs> no, and, and <laughs> that's the thing. The funny thing is being Australian, they say you've they say you've got to love Vegemite. And I don't like Vegemite. Being Malaysian, they say you've got to love durian. Do you know what durian is? The yeah. fruit? Yeah. Southeast Asian fruit? Yeah, the Southeast Asian it's fruit. It's quite that's smelly, just right? like stenchy and, um, well, for me, I find it disgusting, but my dad loves it and, you know, they say they say that you're not... Malaysian until you love durian. So in terms of both cultures, I don't like the things that you're not whatever until you like. And I'm you just like, like, you know what? I think it's a little bit of, I think it's a load of rubbish. <laughs> you can be Australian without liking Vegemite. You know, we, I, I know a whole bunch of people that don't like Vegemite and that's fine. Um, but Well, Milo's big in Malaysia though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. And it's big here too. So, so you know, you know. I, li- I love that. So Maybe that's I, the happy middle ground. Yeah, I love, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I love that. So I'm definitely Malaysian and Australian in that respect. <laughs> yeah. Um, is it important for you, Matt, that your kids grow up with a your potential your future kids grow up with Malaysian heritage? Um, definitely. Malaysian culture. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Well, but I feel like um, I'd be very Australian with them. I I would try, but I might leave that up to their grandparents. You know, like. Um, because they're still very, very Malaysian. <laughs> so, um, and I, I feel like maybe I should leave that up to them. Um, like, I'm going to, like, you know, you know, remind them that, yeah, that's that's where their roots are. But, you know, it's, I don't think it will be really, like, real for them until, you know, they meet <laughs> um, grandma and grandpa. Like, um, that's when they really, they'll really know. Um, and, yeah, same if, you know... My girlfriend's like um, Cantonese heritage, um, and she feels the same way as well. Like, you know, leave it up to the grandparents because that's when the, that's where it really is at. Yeah, you're a grandmother. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> oh, can really? I say something to that? I've been there, yeah. and I can tell you, you wouldn't have much choice. They make that decision. Yeah, Your future children. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, you know, they pick out what they think they like or what's important to them, 
but other than that, they'll be Australian. Yeah, and <laughs> that's been the ca- that's been yeah. the, I think that's been the case for me with my parents as well. Like, mm, yeah, I've definitely done some picking out, and I've picked out that speaking Mandarin is still very important. After a while, like yeah. after after I've lost the ability to read the language, I re- I've realized you know it's still yeah. important to know how to speak yeah. it. Um, and by the time I realize it's still important to learn how to know how to speak Malay, I've lost it. So and and I've realized that. You know, like yeah. Sometimes at a young age, you can take a lot of things for granted. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess for my future kids, I'll try and teach them not to take things for granted. But yeah, as 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 um, you know, Margaret said, like I guess in the end, they'll do the picking out, and I'll just try my best to facilitate that. And yeah, was it important for you to pass that on? Pass on your your German heritage to your daughter and your well grandchildren. Um, that. You're a different generation now, but um, after my daughter was born, she was born in 64, Australia was still very much a um, whites-only country. And uh, immigrants uh, weren't as accepted and included as they are these days. And I found that when my daughter went to school and grew up, she didn't like the idea that she had foreign parents. Now, come to the grandchildren, that it's all turned around a bit. <laughs> <laughs> they go back to their roots. So, but that's something you haven't got control over. These things just happen naturally. Mm. Yeah. I think we live in a time now where Australians are much happy to to acknowledge different roots and maybe that's why for your for your grandchildren they've they've been happier to you know <laughs> to to be proud of that yeah. and maybe i don't know maybe mm-hmm. back then it was different maybe back then it was just about being australian and that's why people would have you know denied or they've been less proud of yeah that. then uh, there were much more uh, immigrants were much more uh, a minority yeah. than they're these days. Yeah. The, um, my daughter's a school teacher, and where she teaches, 95% of the children at her school have um, parents that were not born in Australia. Yeah. 95%. Yeah. So definitely moving into the future, it looks as though we will be we are already but we will continue to become a country that embraces cultures um and promotes them as something to be proud of would you agree with that definitely yeah i hope so like that's really what i enjoy about living in sydney so you know yeah, all the different food we get here, the different cuisine. I might go grab myself some noodles after this. That you know? sounds happy, ideal. Happy that I'm able to do that. So Absolutely. I just want that to keep um, expanding. <laughs> well, guys, we're getting to time now. So I just wanted to, to thank you both so much yeah. for coming in today and taking time out of your busy schedules and to, and in your lives just to share your personal experience with us, experiences that are close to you and close to your hearts. And then experiences that I'm very sure many people and migrants in Australia will be able to identify with. So I just want to say a very heartfelt thank you very much for joining us on HuffPost Humans. So I think we can see here that Australia is really headed in in a continually growing multicultural way. And I think that's that's something that's really positive. 
especially, you know, hearing both of those guys before, it just, you know, it, it does impact the way that people are in Australia. It, it is a huge part of way, the way the society functions and I think hearing more about those stories and hearing those people's experiences is is a really important thing to do. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I, I mean, some of the some of the universal experiences that were spoken to, like with Matt, mm-hmm. uh, about him, you know, when he goes home to Malaysia, and um, I don't know if he really addressed it as as attention or anything, but more that you know he 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 feels. You know, he doesn't like the, the the fruit that's popular there over here. He doesn't like Vegemite. You know, it's it's, it's just kind of again re- relating it to myself. I go home to Ireland, and my family are at me to do an Australian accent, and then I come back here, and everyone's at me to do an Irish accent. You know, and you're left in this kind right. of yeah, this, yeah. This, and I don't like Guinness. Right. Well, there you go. And yeah. you don't. You're left in this this kind of this spot where you're in between both cultures and, you know, both of them were saying it's quite a difficult thing to explain. Yeah. Um, and it's difficult to put, put words in, put it into words. Um, but I think, you know, Matt said it when we were talking afterwards, he said that sometimes as he really enjoyed being able to speak about it because sometimes there's not quite a, an opportunity or a platform to do so. And uh, I think he, he got managed to get a few things out in today's episode. So... Yeah. Well, thanks very much. And um, to our listeners, if you're a HuffPost human, please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or email us at podcasts at huffingtonpost.com.au. And we'll have another episode for you next week. Thanks very much. Thanks very much.